0: We'll I would like to welcome you and introduce Ginger Gentile. She is the director of a new documentary on divorce and its impact on children and child support in the system. And um, I got to say, it was, really, it was really impactful for me, especially right now, because my parents are going through a divorce and it couldn't have been a better timing for me to see something like this. It made me realize that even though I'm about to be 41, that I'm still falling into that same system, the same issues that the children are going through, uh, small children go through when their parents are going through a divorce. And and in a way, I felt myself regressing regressing a lot in the, my parents' systemic, um, un, unfortunate infectious disease. I call it an infectious disease because that's kind of what it felt like being in the relationship with them. And um, I felt my I found myself um, beginning becoming part of that destructive cycle and even taking sides sometimes just taking my mom's side or taking my dad's side and realize how unhealthy that was and I had to take myself out of it and watching this documentary really 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 opened my eyes a lot and opened my heart and just made me realize just how many how many people are suffering through this divorce so um, through divorce itself. Ginger, thank you so much for taking your time here to talk to us about this, um, about your incredible documentary. And I'd just uh, like to see if you could please give us some information to give us a brief synopsis on um, Erasing Family.
1: The Erasing Family documentary follows young people as they reunite with erased moms or dads years or decades after their parents got divorced. And the reason why the parents were erased out of their lives is basically because the other parent wanted them to no longer be in their kids' lives. And the courts either did nothing or actively participated in this erasing. And what's really tragic that this documentary explores is that it's not just the children in the film, these are an isolated incidents, that in the US alone, 22 million parents report being alienated from one or more of their children after divorce or separation. So this is a huge problem. And a lot of people don't want to talk about it, even though divorce is very common. And I think people don't want to talk about it because it's much easier to look at other cultures and countries and blame people for doing things that we find abhorrent than to look within our own families. And it's not about blame, but about taking responsibility for a lot of hurt that we cause. And then the other reason is that divorce is a multi-billion dollar industry. It makes 25 times the amount of Starbucks per year. Wow. And the reason why divorce is so lucrative is because it lasts a long time. It's very difficult to do. So you have to hire a lawyer and lawyers are trained to be zealous advocates for their clients. But the problem is when you have a family in crisis and in conflict, what you don't need is a lawyer fighting with another lawyer, um, and also because they bill by the hour, the more these cases drag out, the more money they make. Uh, and what, we've, what we're also seeing now is a lot of people can't afford lawyers. And for example, in the California family court system, there are over three, I think 2,000 forms applicable to family court. Wow. So it's 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 like really crazy, uh, this complicated system. And- We basically take people who are at the worst moment of their life because they're getting divorced for a reason. Right. And instead of providing them a system to help them and their children through this transition, we basically say the only way to get anything is to make the other side look really bad. So how can you co-parent with somebody after you've spent a trial saying everything you can imaginable to make the other side? Yeah, yeah. To make them look bad. So, and and then children are also put in the middle. So in a lot of states, children as young as 12 can decide who they live with. But as we all know, children, especially teenagers, they can be bribed. They can be influenced who they like one day is not who they like the other day. So these aren't questions of abuse or dangerous parenting. These are questions of kids. Basically, being forced to pick sides. Uh, today, I was actually working on a bill of rights for children of divorce, and about half of them are uh, I have the right not to choose. I have the right not to be put in the middle. I have the right not to uh, pass me- messages back and forth. I have the right not to be my a parents' therapist. I have the right not to be my parents' friend. And anything that I hear about one parent saying to the other parent, that that's half of me, and I think the parents forget that, is that when they say, you know, your dad's a piece of shit or your mom's crazy, what the kid hears is, I'm half of a piece of shit, I'm half of crazy. Yeah, that's and, so true. And, and so this bad mouthing can be really, really harmful.
0: Wow. And um, can you tell us a little bit more about the Bill of Rights for children? Is this something that um, is, I mean, the kids are starting to understand that they have their own freedom to i mean this is kind of like a freedom for them as well
1: yeah it's Rather a freedom than feeling to, trapped yeah it's a freedom for them to be removed from their conflicts so if you go to our website our racingfamily.org we have the bill of rights there under resources for download we're actually we're making it we're simplifying it today i'm combining a lot of the rights and um, to make it easier to read and making it more kid friendly language but so much is just not having to get involved in the conflict because also parents will make their kids friends. Um, they'll confide in them. I remember my mom confided us so much adult stuff, including sexual stuff, uh, to me and my sister that was going on in the marriage mm-hmm. and a lot of times parents feel you know especially with when they can't talk to their spouse that the person who they have who's always been there for them is their kid right. but the kid should not be placed in this adult position of having to listen or adjudicate or support or be responsible for their parents emotions so uh, one thing that the f- that the film talks a lot about is this concept called parental alienation, and that's when one parent basically wages a campaign of d- denigration against the other parent, so the mm-hmm. child aligns with them. Now, there's some reasons why this this can happen. Sometimes it's an economic incentive. The more time you spend with the child, the more child support you get. Mm-hmm. It could be revenge. Maybe the other parent cheated on you, so you want. Them out of your life. You want them to suffer, and what will make them suffer more than not seeing their kids, and also sometimes one parent is just repeating the cycle of trauma that they experienced as a kid. Because mm-hmm. uh, one thing that you know I found out is that if you have a parent erased from your life as a kid, you are there's a fifty percent chance that you will be an erased parent when you grow up, or you will erase the other parent. So these are generational cycles. Could you explain
0: a little bit more the concept of erased?
1: Sure. So as kids, we will often love or hate or be angry with or like or dislike a parent. Uh, that is completely normal. And there's a lot of things that can go on to create conflicts between a parent and a child. What erasing is, is saying to a child and then the child eventually believing that they are not the actual child or the parent. To be clear, this isn't a delusion that they actually believe they were adopted, but I've heard kids say uh, my egg donor or my bio mom, to refer to mother, Mm -hmm. my sperm donor. And these were parents who raised the kids.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Or saying my stepdad is now my dad, my stepmom is now my mom. And in, in classic psychology, this is a form of psychosis. So if, if, if you want to get like very classical, I know, I know Americans don't like Freudian psychoanalysis, but uh, I think there's poetry. Maybe there's not truth, but there's poetry in this. And basically, neuro- so we have normal functioning human beings, which most of us aren't. And then uh, what we forget is neurosis. Is what Freud said for a lot of people is the goal, which means that you are you have hangups and issues, but you're functional, you're able to get to work, you're able to have a relationship, but you have these neuroses. Yeah. So disliking a parent is a neurosis. Is. But saying, My mom is my egg donor, or saying my stepmom is my actual mom, I'm gonna replace her that's a form of psychosis and this has a Mm -hmm. lot this does a lot of psychological damage to children absolutely. Um, and also as they as they try to form relationships because the first thing it teaches them is that if you have a problem with somebody you can erase them and we're gonna have problems with people all of our lives oh yeah problems with
0: with the rest of our lives
1: yeah we have problems with bosses other spouses other family members friends so we're telling people you know if you deal with a high-conflict person, you should just get rid of them. Um, it, it also is saying that, you know, relationships are always unstable, and this can be very harmful uh, to children. And the other thing that I learned when making this is that we often tend to think that psychological harm has psychological symptoms, meaning um, if your parents had a messy divorce, then maybe you'll have a marriage that ends in divorce. Mm -hmm. But what we're finding is that chronic childhood stress leads to poor physical health outcomes.
0: Oh, absolutely. So,
1: and and there's research on this. So a lot of people might say, well, this sounds very, you know, kind of woo woo California crazy, but uh, anyone can look up the ACES study. That's A-C-E-S for adverse childhood experience study and what they did is they they followed hundreds of thousands of people over 20 years and they gave them a simple 10 question test asking for 10 points of trauma one is divorce one is not being able to see a parent there's other stuff like witnessing domestic violence or actual violence the more numbers you have the more points you have the more likely you are not only to have like depression or um, anxiety right but cancer, heart
0: disease. Yes. Absolutely going to affect your immune system all the way.
1: Yeah, because of all this stress really releases uh, cortisol, which then can literally eat the cells of the body.
0: Yeah, your stress hormones are through the roof where they shouldn't be. Right. When they shouldn't be.
1: Yeah, so, so this is all... So the takeaway of this is not stay married no matter what. That's not the message that we're trying to give. It's that... And and we can't put all the responsibility on the parents here because it's also the system. So the fact that family court exists Mm -hmm. encourages people to fight and to litigate. And we need to create low-cost or no-cost alternatives that encourage mediation and getting people the help and resources they need. And what the film points out is that the film Erasing Family, which you can find at erasingfamily.org, and it's streaming right now across platforms like Amazon, Tubi, and iTunes, is that we right now as a country spend billions of dollars enforcing child support payments. Yeah. And my takeaway isn't that kids don't need child support. It's that these punitive measures, which often lead to putting poor parents in jail and specifically poor people, because the penalties for not paying child support in this country are so high that if you can, you pay it. You can lose your your, light, your professional license. So if you're a doctor or you cut hair, you're a lawyer, you'll lose it. You can lose your passport if you're more than $2,000 in debt to child support. And you can go to jail for contempt of court. So it means you have no right to an attorney. And you can go to jail pretty much indefinitely for not paying child support. So if you can, you pay it. So the people who can't pay it are generally very poor people.
0: Yeah, I remember in your, your documentary that we're talking about all the men that that unfortunately a lot of the parent or the the mothers would categorize as quote quote unquote deadbeat dads. But they're like, we're not deadbeat dad; we're dead broke, and it's because and right. none of the money is even going to the kids.
1: Yeah, that's what's me. So that crazy. was such an
0: eye opener, and I can't imagine that if you 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 separate when your kids won the next eighteen years, you're going to be spending, and they're going to and spending money on not even supporting your kid. That's a really, really sad statistic.
1: Yeah, because um, the cost to incarcerate someone in California is $77,000 a year. (laughs) And, And instead of giving parent, these families, 77,000 or $7,000 were putting poor people in jail. And then when they're in jail, they're not working. They lose their jobs. They probably lose their house. So it creates this whole downward spiral that makes, that really makes no sense. It's and true. yeah. And it's, so I think like one big takeaway is also there's all of this money that goes to this punitive system and that could create therapy, mediation. And very few courts are doing this. We follow one court in Baltimore that is, but there should be free mediation uh, for anybody who wants Mm. it. It would actually save us all money. Uh, And also most people now can't afford lawyers. So half of the people in the U.S. going through family court are self-representing. And it's such a complicated system and it's not user-friendly that these parents are at a real disadvantage. Is there, do you see any change
0: within this system, any positive change happening anytime soon? Or are you seeing any type of like lucrative changes that could possibly head towards some justice for these, for divorce? Oh yes. The documentary was talking about Sweden and how awesome their divorce system is. Could you explain yeah. a little bit about that? Cause I, I think that if we become aware of their system, we can adopt something like that, then everything's going to be a lot easier, a lot more peaceful.
1: Yeah. So in Sweden, so what's interesting is in Sweden is is that it's, it's not that the law itself is much different. There's a huge societal expectation that parents are going to share custody equally and that child support is only based on the needs of a child. So right now in the U.S., child support is based on the income of the person who doesn't have custody, which is most likely the father. Mm-hmm. So this means if you make millions of dollars, you might have to pay millions of dollars in child support. It also means if you're very poor, the judge could say, well, you're so poor, I'm going to pretend you have a higher income and you're going to have to find some way to make that. And what Sweden says is, okay, if it costs 500 euros to raise a child in Sweden, I'm, I'm making that number up, then each parent is responsible for half of that. Yeah. Or it's responsible, it might have to do with income, but it's, it doesn't, the number doesn't get higher just because one parent makes more. And just because the expectations that eventually you will get along, most parents do, and 99% of families do not use court because it's very easy to file paperwork on your own. You don't need a lawyer because even in the US, when people say you can self-file for divorce, it still costs about $1,000. Yeah. Still
0: so that's cost. no
1: lawyers you send in the paperwork yourself, that's a 1,000. So in Sweden, it's really is free. It's the the cost of a postage stamp. And I think the fear that a lot of people have is if you make divorce too easy, then you will encourage a high divorce rate, but we already have a very high divorce rate. And also uh, in the US, we have one of the highest rates of out of, I mean, it's an old fashioned term out of wedlock births, but basically 40% of children in the US are born to unmarried parents. Mm -hmm. and if you're a father of of a child and you're not married, you have, like, no rights to that child um, unless you go to court, but it's just, like, I think the divorce laws are designed thinking of the 1950s when the father was a sole breadwinner, so if he left, he had to give money to the mom because she wasn't working and, also, and the mother was always going to take care of the kids. The fathers didn't know how. And and divorce was something shameful. So,
0: so what's it going to take for us to evolve and to adopt something a little more flexible like
1: Sweden has? What's it going to take for the U.S. to change? Well, I think the good news is that support to change the system pulls very high. So right now... Uh, support for default shared parenting, which is default joint custody, which means that all parents start with 50-50, and then they can decide something else, or you can, or if you, if there's a reason that it goes away, but right now you have to kind of fight to to have equal shared parenting. That pulls at about 91%, no matter where you poll in the U.S., and that's mm-hmm. very high. So what? I think is good is that people really want to change. Politicians, this is always like kind of a back burner issue for them, in part because the people who are victims of divorce they're a very traumatized crowd, so they don't really organize well. Uh, but also, you know the the lobbyists from the lawyers' associations they're very powerful associations and because they're lawyers they know how to work the system right so that's what i see is the big problem is the special interest from the lawyers
0: mm-hmm. yeah greed right mm-hmm. um i have an awesome question to ask you sure i see how driven you are with this and i'd like to know what makes you so passionate about this subject we need more people like you especially in this field
1: so I am, I'm a child of divorce. Uh, I'm not a parent and I don't have kids because uh, a lot of people assume that I got into this because uh, I couldn't. But
0: that's what's kids. driving you. Uh-huh.
1: I, I think it's that. And also just, it's, it's an issue that I think has a lot of impact and everyone agrees. This is a huge issue, but no yes, one's really talking about it, which is yeah. very, which is very weird that um, we kind of ignore family court. We ignore What goes on. And it
0: could be because we still have in our mind that or collectively, maybe the baby boomers still have in their the 1950s mentality going
1: on. I think it's also just people don't want to look at their own families. I mean, I I remember like when I was making this, that if you want to talk about an issue that affects Africa, let's say, Uh uh-huh. It's very easy for us as Americans to be, oh, look at those Africans and what horrible things they're doing to the environment, to each other, their culture, whatever. Right. But when you say, let's talk about what we're doing in our own families.
0: Uh-huh. Nobody wants to face it. Nobody
1: wants to. And that was what happened with the ACES research, because when it came out, one of the doctors who, who really studied this and became very passionate about it. When she read about these studies, she was like, oh, wow, if we can prevent childhood trauma, we can prevent all these poor health outcomes. Mm-hmm. And then she said nobody wants to talk about it because what did the ACE study find? That trauma is just as prevalent in middle class and upper class homes as lower class. Yeah, of course. So middle and upper class people, they like to say, look at those poor families.
0: Yeah, but they don't want to look
1: at themselves exactly and i think i think that's one of the problems is no one wants to say oh i really messed up my kids but a lot of this instead of you know and the film ends with this it's like let's stop the blame game and start thinking about solutions
0: totally i like that stop the blame game and start looking into solutions absolutely
1: we should also mention how we met right
0: yeah, so Ginger and I, uh, we met through our Kadampa Meditation Center in Los Angeles. Um, we've only met virtually. We've, um, I got to say, it's through our good karma that we've been blessed with each other's uh, friendship. And even though that we're states away, I'm learning a lot from her. And I'm certain that we came across each other's paths for a reason. And I'm really, really, really blessed to have her on my show and just to have known her and, and um you're working on a new documentary what's the new documentary on
1: well before i mention the new documentary i just yeah. want to put a plug in for meditation whether oh, it's please. through whether it's through a kadampa center which you can um google uh and they have a lot of books they also now because of you know the pandemic a lot of stuff's online but they have a lot of centers or some other meditation yeah I centers think all over any, the world actually Any meditation that people can do. And uh, I just want to put a plug in because I've been doing it for four years. It's changed my life. And it really, I'm always honest with people, it isn't easy to meditate in the beginning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you say, I, I'm not good at meditation and I don't like it, then you're the person who needs it. Because if you float around at peace and one with the world and like nothing bothers you and you're just like, may all beings be happy. And you're like, I don't want to meditate. It's probably like, okay, whatever. But like most people, if, if you have like me, a monkey brain, if you're anxious or or have insomnia, meditation is really hard. But... Um, and it's kind of like working on the gym you kind of have to like i don't want to say force yourself but you kind of have to commit to in the beginning because it's not fun okay. <laughs> it's like learning any other skill it's like learning to play the piano and i just because we were talking about trauma um you can have a horrible traumatic upbringing young adulthood or whatever and it's not a sentence because exactly. I think a lot of times right. when we talk about trauma, people are like, oh, I'm traumatized. I'm going to have this horrible divorce yeah, when I sentence. get older. No, it's like you can rewire your brain and meditation Absolutely. is a way to rewire your brain and your heart. So like for the people out there who are like, oh, my God, my parents had a messy divorce. And like it's like you don't have to repeat your parents mistakes. And by becoming aware and by becoming more common centered, um, it, you can get rid of trauma and not have it dictate your life. Uh, hundred
0: percent there with you on that for sure.
1: So, so I, so I, I encourage anybody, give it a try, stick with it. You know, I think it's 40 days to build a habit. If you can like somehow, you know, like in the beginning, sometimes it's just like, you just sit down. And even if your mind wanders the whole time, which it will, and it's totally normal, just like, sit there and it's the same as like um like the favorite analogy I have is it's like if you sat down to play the piano and you never played before and it sounded awful, would you just say, oh, I'm a bad piano pa- piano player? no, you'd say I have to practice yeah and, I need and meditation practice. Is like practice and there, there's a lot of books out there and stuff um
0: well, I'm definitely gonna have to invite you back when I do the segment on meditation. <laughs>
1: Yeah, or you should invite someone who's maybe been doing it for 10 or 20 years. Wow, yeah. Uh, you know, there's so many other more experienced meditators. I mean, I've been doing it for four years, and I'm always very honest about this. Like, there's some days I have very powerful meditations, and there's some days where I'm, like, thinking about grocery lists in my head. But, like, I always feel better afterwards. Absolutely. Um, but, like, it's, I always tell people I meditate for 20 minutes a day. It doesn't mean I'm in a meditative state. S- state for 20 minutes, sometimes I'm there for 18 minutes, sometimes I'm there for 30 seconds, but you always feel better afterwards. Um, But to answer your second question, now that we've given that shameless plug. um, Mm, Not at all, thank you. uh, So I'm working on a new film about higher education universities and how basically they're not doing enough to be welcoming to low income students. And this is very concerning because we basically have a system in the U S right now where the education you get is, de- is determined by the money you have.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: there's some exceptions of people who do get scholarships, but it's not nearly, there's no guarantee that you'll get a scholarship and, and the exceptionally gifted Student to get them if you're poor. Whereas if you're upper middle class or rich, you don't have to be an exceptional student and you have so much help and resources along the way. So, in that way, it's a very unfair system. And that's what the film is about that I'm working on. And hopefully, that'll be out in 2022. But if people want to learn more about erasing family, and also if you're listening to this and you're like, wow, this sounds really hard to watch, or I want to talk to somebody. So if you go to erasingfamily.org, we have a ton of resources, including the Children's Bill of Rights. But we also have uh, a, a text line. So we're one of the few films that set up a free text line where you can text 865-4FAMILY and talk for free with a professional who will give you emotional support. Uh, It's not legal aid, it's not therapy, but -hmm. they can put you in touch with resources, listen to you, and um, at least let you know that you're not alone. And there are a lot of resources out there. And that text line is for parents. It's for kids. It's even for professionals, because a lot of times professionals don't know how to deal with these issues. And we're there to give you guidance. Uh, So please check out the resources. We're about 30,000 followers on Facebook. And um, if people like the film and can leave a review on Amazon, it really does help. So that's the Erasing Family Documentary.
0: Thank you so so much, so very much, Ginger. I'm so appreciative you, with Lino. your time and all your information. Of course, I look forward to. Um, I can't wait for your next documentary, you and I neither. can't wait to have you back on our show.
1: Of course, well, it's wishing you many here. blessings,
0: and uh, we'll talk soon. Have a blessed okay. day now. Thank okay. you.